Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in.net. I'm Sean Claybo, your host. On this episode, our last episode, we had such a good conversation with Chris Haiti that we decided to split it into two. So here's the second half. Please enjoy. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Yeah. Another question I have, and this has actually sparked some debate in my company, has to do around mediator. Hmm. And it's on paper, it's an awesome pattern. And you can see how it really simplifies things and kind of silos stuff, right? But if you don't do it right, it can leave you in a world of hurt, (laughs) so to speak. I'm I'm telling Jimmy. How did you choose? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not his fault. Right. How did you choose Mediator for Blazor in action? So I've used Mediator for a while now. So when I was architecting apps at the previous company I worked at, we used Mediator there and I enjoyed working with it. I liked the, I liked it. But basically what happened was I, I discovered CQRS is, is mm-hmm. what happened with it. So I've been building apps using onion architectures and clean architectures and, and things like that. And then one night I was reading up about CQRS and like this idea of just everything you do in your app is separated either into a, a read or a write. And I, I, I don't know why but that really resonated with me in a way where I was like, yes, that's correct. Like I've seen I've seen apps built that are that have got these kind of calls that are doing all kinds of things. You know, they're writing some new data and then they query some more data and then you know, depending on what you sent, they send back this data or some other data and, and all this kind of thing. And this idea of just separating this out and saying, right, in this call, I'm going to write something. And in this call, I'm going to get something. And just having that clarity, I don't know, just worked my head. I think it's just because like, I'm not that brainy. So like, I just like simple things work for me. So that was, that was basically the start point. So once I got into that mediator sort of, is sort of made sense uh, something you stumble on quite quickly when you then start googling about cqrs and .net and, and what have you and i think like as well like just as a, a slight side as well is like with cqrs i think I'd, I'd i'd heard of it previously but i've been put off because i think cqrs often gets linked directly with event sourcing and i was always like that's scary and complex and like i don't you know i don't need to be doing like writing events constantly and then having to like replay all these events to know what what's where and like blah 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 and 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 then I was watching uh, some like some stuff on YouTube, but, and it was uh, you know making very clear that no, these things are not things that have to work together. They're just things that can work together, and there's certain scenarios where we work very well together. But 
they're two separate patterns and they don't you know they you don't have to do that way so like yeah that opened up and then i've I've been a big fan of domain driven design for a long time as well and then because of mediator i also sort of then ended up looking at vertical slice architecture and then that was like the kind of the whole thing then just like pinged together for me because i was like Mm. domain driven design is is brilliant and like it gives you the place to add your you know your share like your you you know your because often with people when they're using mediator or using like cqrs and and like then you start looking at vertical slice you often get the thing of like right well what do you do with like shared code or what do you do with repeated like you know things like that and like when you're doing vertical slice and things like this you're like you tend to lean on the side of duplication because that way you keep things isolated and, and what have you but then ddd and having a domain gives you that opportunity to centralize any common code so you can put those into aggregates and entities have that all down in that lower layer and then just have your verticals coming off of it and when i first uh, architecting this old company i was at mediator was the way of getting around controllers for me so i've never liked controllers from the perspective of nowhere else in programming would we be happy with putting a bunch of methods that are not related to each other in one class like it just would never happen yet controllers have always just been this dumping ground where you can just stick all these arbitrary methods that never interact with each other in in a class and somehow it's okay like it's always been a bu- it's always been a bugbear, but it's like, but it's a thing. So you you know you just do it, don't you? And then I was like, Mediator was a way of clearing that up because basically, okay, I'd have my method in my controller, but it would just call it would just create a Mediator request and fire it off, and it was like every single method in my controller could be like two lines, and it just meant that I could negate it. It was there, but it was a thin layer. It was purely responsible for collecting the request, deserializing whatever's data has been sent up, chucking it off to the mediator, and then you know constructing the re- response and sending it back, which is probably what most people would agree is what a, a controller endpoint should be doing. It should yeah. literally. And now we have minimal bit. minimal APIs to do just that, so it makes yeah, it and then, uh, yeah, yeah, and then you've got middle APIs, which is kind of like embracing that more, which is good. But that was where mediator first came in for me, and it was just a way of being able to just really not but obviously you can't obviously i'm not bypassing controls but just dealing with them as least as possible and then forward it on then you just have a handler in back then it would have been the application layer in in your onion architecture and that would have done whatever it was doing it would call on domain services or persistence uh, infrastructure stuff to save data or get data wherever and and it was just a lovely clean pattern and like i sort of got my team at the time we walked through it and every after it after like we had this like two hour session where we just went through all of this and i was like so what do you all think and everyone was just like yeah we're, yeah that makes total sense like it's really clean and obviously as well the nice thing with mediator is like you can use it for doing like domain event stuff as well so you can like mediator's got like you can do like media.send and just send off a request and that can have a handler that can deal with it but it's also got uh, an option to like uh send off an event that you can like multiple handlers can subscribe to and then so you can kind of so if you've got domain uh, aggregates you can sort of uh, sort of create these domain event sort of have a list of domain events on a, on an aggregate and then like, you can put stuff into like say like a, a db context that will when you're saving an entity will intercept it pull those things out dispatch those off using mediator and then this other stuff these sort of side effects can happen 
and all of that. So it gave us like all of these bits and bobs in a simple way because like the apps didn't need like whole messaging queues to deal with all that. It wasn't that kind of stuff. And like that would just end, added so much complexity and like media just let just let us do all this stuff. And it was performant enough for what we needed. And it, it, it was simple and it kept the code clean and easy to maintain. And, and, and yeah, so it all worked well. And then, and then, then it deployed like, you know, moving one step further because, because we're a startup and we've, you know, been doing a lot, we've been going through the pro, you know, sort of product market fit stage and there's been a lot of iterations and stuff like this. And I was like, when I had to architect the, the platform, my number one sort of concern was the, the volume of change. Cause it's like, well, you know, we're a small development team. We're, you know, a startup that's trying to make an impact here and we're going to have to change stuff a lot. So I was like, when I was considering the architecture, I was like, I need an architecture that can change really rapidly, very often, and not break things. So then that was when the final bit of the puzzle came in, where I ditched Onion architecture and, and moved to Vertical Slice, because then we built all of the features in our application in Vertical Slices, which meant that when we discovered some new information and realized there was a better way to do it, whatever, we could just rip out a vertical and and just replace it and it didn't have any dependencies on others so we could we could do this and not break other bits of the app and you know we've rewritten our platform like probably three or four times in total but in in small chunks over time because we've been able to do that with that architecture and again mediate has been a key point of that so you know we use mediator in in blazer to sort of dispatch all of our requests and uh, so whether we're getting data when a component loads or saving data when you submit a form that all happens through mediator and then on the the api end we've actually been we've moved towards uh we've moved uh onto a package we actually have written our own implementation of this but in the book we use api endpoints so that's a a package from our dallas steve smith steve yeah yep yeah and that is kind of like it's almost i guess a bit of a precursor like a bit like minimal minimal apis in that it's just a single endpoint in one file in one class and and that kind of gives us uh the sort of similar pattern to what we were using at the old company with the controllers with endpoints that just had mediate calls in them except now we just have a class with an endpoint and that's it and that is all in a vertical as well on the server that matches the vertical on the client. So it all just kind of ties together really nicely. And like the admin portion of our our platform is actually now Blazor server and, and we use Mediator that can then do the whole thing. We can keep the whole thing in one file, which is really cool. So we can have the Razor file and then we have another C-sharp class that just contains the request, the handler, and it's just all in one file, which means it's like ridiculously productive, like, scarily productive because you just don't have to go to all these different files and do all these different things everything's just there and yeah i mean that's been a real meandering waffle admittedly but like that's that's kind of been the journey through mediator and stuff and that you know i for these various reasons it's just worked and it's been yeah just been a really useful tool for me and the teams i've been in so yeah the current project that i'm working on is my first experience with actually using mediator and and having something that's really a full domain different driven design architecture and it took some adjustment to me from my mental model you know i was trying to i was trying to trace through the requ- request and i'm used to it going to a controller and then to a, a database layer or an entity something like that and then going out from there and it's like i couldn't find where's it going what's listening to this and so that that took some work there but uh once you get it it just it makes sense 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think with the, I think especially with like some of the team members uh, where I'm at now at the point, like initially when we talked about vertical slice architecture and like introduced it, it's like there is a bit of a, an initial friction where you're like, but layers, like that we have, we have a database layer and then we have an app, you know, we have application layers and then we have controllers and like we have this structure and it's all this. And I was like, and the way I often put it to to people is I'm like, right, cool. So when was the last time you changed your controller layer? And I don't mean like a bit, I mean like the layer. When when did you ever operate horizontally? And like, it doesn't happen. I mean, even if you think about a traditional team setup with a front-end team and a back-end team, right? When does either one of those team ever work horizontally? They don't. Yeah, because like, yeah, changing your controller layer is, is scary, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, like why why would you, you know, what, when does the last time your product owner came along and went, you know what, we need to change the the API controller layer? Like, that's not the request you get from a, from the business. And like, it, it's not how it works. They come in and say, we need a, you know, we need a new feature that allows the user to add a profile picture, right? And that's going to involve changing a bit of UI it's going to have probably uh, it's going to have an endpoint that's going to you know or or at least you know a couple of endpoints probably to get the picture and save the picture it's going to then have something in there to actually you know retrieve the picture from wherever it is and or, or save it to wherever it's going to be on that server side so actually if you think about how apps are built they're always built vertically pretty much it's just that we then go through this dance of putting layers in and there's a brilliant diagram on on it might be on one of jimmy's sites or on headspring site about vertical slice architecture where it says you know you start off with this lovely design where you've got your layers and every layer is talking down like really well and like i know people who are listening to this is not i'm doing like nice like uh, vertical lines here and then what happens is oh but that cool is basically very similar to this one but if i just give an extra parameter that will do that and i won't have to create a new you know, a new service or a new method on that service. So I'll just add that in. And now I've got a line going sort of 45 degrees over to here. And then, it, you know, and then this happens again and again and again and again. And after a few years of development, what you end up with is a giant spider web of calls. And this leads to scenarios that I'm sure we're all aware of where you end up with a bit of the application that everyone goes, oh, there's dragons over there. You don't touch that. Like, it talks to things. We don't know what it talks to. John wrote it. John's been gone a year and a half. So we just don't touch that. Like, that's a black box. And and that's because all these kind of cross calls are happening and no one has, has got the time to sit there and try and, like, tr- you know, forensically trace each one to work out what the side effects would be of refactoring and things like this. So if you, you adjust that vertical model and the pain kind of goes away because it's it's not like you can't have structure within those verticals, but the, you don't need, un- I, th- I think the way that I think about it is you don't have a necessary structure. Like if I'm building a feature that like would be best talking to, I don't know, a storage queue, right? In Azure, for example, right? I can have my API endpoint, right? Just directly call off to the storage queue APIs, right? And just ping that over there because why do I want to then just delegate that off to a service that will then do it itself when I could just do it there and then? Like what what's the benefit of doing that, right? So I could do that. But then if I've got a to you know a crud bit of my application that needs to just write data to my database, well then I've got an endpoint that can talk to a DB context and can update that and that can do that there as well. And like 
then I get something else somewhere else that deals with a, I don't know, I've got like, I don't know, say some local queue running or something. So now I've got an endpoint that is writing to a local queue that, you know, has something handling it, or it's, I don't know, maybe it's got a signal R hub in it because we're going to do some real time stuff for that feature and bits like this. And the point is each vertical can have a micro architecture that suits that vertical perfectly in an onion architecture or clean architecture app, an architect, you know, your layers get set when, when the, the design first happens and then that's it you live with that for the life of that application and that might never be optimal for like chunks of that app and you're you you're then just dancing through hoops trying to traverse layers because you have to because you know this layer can't talk to this layer because you know we've put dependency references in that stop that happening and stuff so you have to jump through hoops of doing all this stuff and you end up writing a load of code that you don't need because you just have to hook these layers together in the way it was originally designed. And all that just feels so inefficient to me. And like, it's, you know, like I say, it's the proof's in the pudding. And then certainly for deploy, like we've been able to iterate and build at a phenomenal rate with a very high level of quality because we just don't ever build anything we don't need to. And if anything becomes ugly and difficult, we just rewrite it because it's cheap to do it and it's easy to do it. And it's a very high confidence of doing that because of these verticals being isolated and not not having like side effects because something else might depend on them. The trade-off for that is that every now and then we do have a, you know, some small amounts of duplication here and there, but that's an easy price to pay for the, you know, the efficiency you get everywhere else. And, you know, for, for true, you know, shared code, like I mentioned earlier, we can push that down in our, into our domain objects and you get all the reuse that you need. And it's genuine reuse, you know, this is not, you know, the classic example, oh, I've got I've got two classes that are named the same that have got the same properties, apart from one property that's different. It's like they're they're the same. No, they're not, because there's a property over there that isn't over there. <laughs> However, you cut that, that means that they're not the same. It might only be a micro difference, but the point is they're different. And you're gonna make a trade-off at some point if you decide to make them one class, because there's a reason they would there was a different property in there in the first place. And I think the I think in our industry the the whole dry principle has been responsible for a lot of negative design choices mm. at times because you know we get drummed into us i think as developers i mean i know i did repeated code is like the root of all evil and you almost then you you over hype that to the point that it's you you get to the point where you're like even if code looks similar it's oh, it's repeated code so i need to refactor it and it needs to be the same because we, repeated code is bad and that i mean don't be wrong like truly repeated code is bad but Often, in most cases, I've found at, at, the, at the various places I've been at, very, very few occasions are genuine repetition. They're things that just look similar, and that is not the same. And that's a very key difference, a very key difference to understand. And that choice then to bring those things together creates a coupling between things that probably should have stayed separate. And then this is when maintenance problems come in longer term. And and what have you and yeah i'm yeah yeah i'm, I'm going on i, I get this, it <laughs> I, I totally get it you know because you know for years and years years everybody you know thinking separation of concerns separation of concerns but then they thought controllers well those are all the same concern concern they're handling an http request from something so that's all the same concern so put them all in the same layer and and do it that way and then have your database layer well that's all the concern of the database so that's all the same. So put that together. Yeah. And their skill sets. I mean, if you think as well, like, I and mean, I think back to my early years, my career, like you didn't touch database stuff because DBAs did that. Like, so there was also some like physical reasons for these in, 
these layerings to happen because they just were physically dealt with by people with a different specialization. Like w- one of the first places I, I worked as a developer, like you might write some SQL scripts. R- really, they were kind of almost like almost like pseudocoding type thing because you gave them to the DBA to write the real one and they would apply that to the database and whatever. So you weren't, you know, you weren't really responsible for much of the data stuff. You, you, all you ever did was call that stored procedure and dealt with what came back. But you were never, you know, not like we do now where you've got EF core and you're, you know, physically creating entities and, you know, that represent database tables. And like that just, that just didn't happen back then. That was all behind a, a walled garden over there that, you know, you didn't get access to. So certainly some of this is just, you know, historical stuff as well. But but yeah, anyway. So I'm here with uh, JD from Raygun. JD, we've been talking quite a bit lately about Core Web Vitals and keeping track of the performance of your applications. And one of the hard things is, is that you kind of get this aggregated data from Google that changes over time, but it's got this lag on it. And I, I think we actually had some folks from Raygun where we were talking about, in particular, this problem and having some some way of getting faster feedback on this kind of a thing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Google's official guidance is that you should be looking for a RUM tool and not relying on snapshotted data. So Raygun's RUM tool will collect all your core web vitals. And last time I checked, I think we were at about four to five seconds lag on ingesting data. So pretty close to real time on on how you're performing there. Um, But yeah, yeah, we have first class support in our real user monitoring product. Yeah, real user monitoring means that each request that comes in, each track that people follow that's what gets tracked and so you know your numbers right away yeah that's right actual data from actual users it's so much more valuable than synthetic data um, and you also collect it across the entire user base so you can see like who are my one percent you know most disenfranchised users who experience the worst sort of performance and you know between between us chuck i'm stoked that google's doing this because as a user of software i want my software to go fast and i'm really glad they're creating a business incentive for all of us to work on the performance of our software yep absolutely so folks if you want a real user monitoring tool that'll keep you on top of your core web vitals go check out raygun.com and you can actually just sign up for a free trial i do wonder if you took a brand new developer and started them out on vertical slice architecture and mediator if they would grant things faster or it would make more sense. Well, but, I, yeah. I have a because, I have a graduate in my team hired directly out of yeah. university. So I would his name's Blake. I would put I'm not want to put merge in mouth, but I would I would say that he is like he it was interesting talking to him when he joined and explaining the architecture through to him, his response was that makes sense. Literally cool. it didn't no questioning, no nothing. He's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Of course, yeah, we're, we're building verticals, don't we? So why would you not organize things that way? And versus someone in the industry who's, you know, been around for a while. Like and, Kilden and myself. And, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. You're, you're, dealing with, you're dealing with historical behavior patterns. Like, you know, right. I, I mean, like, I, I, it, took me a, it took me quite a while to justify to myself that it would, it would be the right thing to do. Because I've, I mean, I've been... A developer seventeen years. I mean, I've I've yeah, because you're always comparing. You're always comparing. Concern. You know, this exactly. new way. Yeah, you know, I'm doing it this way. This okay. Well, yeah. How did I do it the other way? Was that better or was this better? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, always comparing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I. I the longer you've been um, doing this, the more friction you have making a big change like vertical slice architecture, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I have another question for you. It it's not mediator related. <laughs> <laughs> or not, it's, uh, I guess it could be vertical slice architecture. So, right, with 
Blazor, the whole point or one of the big points is componentizing, right? And so you can break things up, make them reusable, push some of this logic further down. What is your limit for how far down you will build a component, right? So you have your parent component that has a child component that has a child component that has a child component. And and these are all valid, right? You're not doing it just because you want to componentize. I'm using air quotes. Hmm. How far are you comfortable? How many levels would you go down typically when building out something like that? <laughs> yeah. So the way... So just terminology-wise, I would look at that as features and sub-features. So all the UIs, like, like the, the way, like, say, I build UIs is feature-based, is feature which is, you know, similar, like, feature folders, like, has been in Angular and, you know, other front-end frameworks for a long time. I, I've, I always liked that when I when I did Angular apps. I was like, it's it, again, it's one of those things. I saw it and I was like, that makes perfect sense. So when I when I started working with Blazor, it, I just started doing the same thing. And again, it works really well with vertical slice because my feature is my my vertical slice. So so we organize and we do this at Deploy. We, we organize that way. So I know we talked about this a little bit beforehand. So <laughs> I checked and so far we have, we do have features that go as low as eight levels deep at the moment we don't have a hard limit and the reason for that is that when you're well at least at least my opinion when you're building in in features in this way the depth of the feature is kind of irrelevant because it's sitting logically where it sits in the ui it's where you expect it to be so if it's eight levels down you don't care because you know it's eight levels down because in the ui you go here and here and here and here to get to it therefore you go in the feature folder structure and you go here and here and here and here Mm -hmm. And, and it's where you expect it to be. It makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if that's eight levels or 20 levels, well, yeah, okay, you might get a little bit annoyed having to expand everything in in Rider or Visual Studio, but as a developer, it's where you expect it. And that to me, like much like yourself, because you, you know, you're you know you're an architect, My, I, I look at it as my job as a lot of this stuff is I, I need, I'm looking to have architectures that just make sense to the developers that are using them. Like, it does what they expect it to do. So that's where that kind of kicks in, really. So like the devs just, they, they don't even think twice. They're like, well, yeah, of course, like that feature sits under those features in the UI. So therefore it sits under those features in the feature folder. So it's in that folder where I, 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 like, I don't tell, like they, they could probably tell you the folder structure without actually having it in front of them. So they're like, well, yeah, we go into clients and this and this and this. So it would be in the clients folder in the things folder in the new so it'll probably be there. And they'll be close enough, even if they don't get it exactly right. So, and like, we've all got widescreen monitors now, so it doesn't matter when your folder tree starts <laughs> <Right>. expanding. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully we all have widescreen. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. If you're listening to this and you don't have a widescreen, send me a Twitter message and I'll see if yeah. I can help you out because <laughs> cause that, that ain't cool. <laughs> I must do I can't, I, I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back, but uh, yeah. yeah. But that, but like I say, like, it probably if it got if it got really really crazy with mailing, but like I think if you subscribe to that feature to that feature folder design, like then you just kind of take it as it comes, really. All right, Chris. So uh, since you have so much free time now, since you're not writing a book, what's next for you? More <laughs> conferences? Yeah. Well, I'm so what we're we recording this we're, we're recording this in August, aren't we? So like I'm going yep. to so I'm off to NDC Oslo in September. So that'll be lovely. I'm then going to Te- Tekarama's other conference, which is in uh, just outside Amsterdam, I think. So that's going to be in October. So that's all good. 
And then I actually don't have anything else in the in the diary, I don't think, after that, which is is kind of I'll be honest, it's kind of nice. Like I like I it's got to the point now where I was like, these things will like that the diary will fill up. <laughs> it's just like I, mm-hmm. so I enjoy a bit of free time when I can. I, you're probably and, spending a lot of time raising a child. I think that's probably it. Yeah, I mean I, I yeah. In all honesty, I, I'm taking I'm actually taking a lot of time away from from the computer in all honesty I, I i've been after sort of just giving two years of my life to just you know work and side project outside of work like to be completely real and i think it's important because we don't think we often talk about this enough like i i honestly have just burnt out i've just been i just like i put everything into to all of that stuff and and like you said john i've i've uh, you know my, my little boy's coming up to two now and you know i'm really enjoying spending time with him and I'm actually, to be honest, uh, doing a lot of uh, like physical stuff on myself. Like I, I'm, I've always been a very active person. I used to play a lot of like football, so like soccer for Americans, at, at a pretty high standard. So I've always been very fit. I've always been like pretty trim and like active and what have you. And like I just lost all of that over over the period of writing the book. I mean, obviously that was through a lockdown as well, so that didn't help matters. But I, I put on a bit of weight and just like it wasn't great and like now i'm just spending uh, I've, I've really got into crossfit so i'm like i'm i'm just like going to crossfit spending time with my wife and my son and i'm just not touching the computer outside of work at the moment i'm and i'm 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 kind of happy with that at the moment and it will you know I, i'll get back to it all like i'm not like it's not like i'm like okay i've written a book i'm done now goodbye mm-hmm. like i'm off um but i i think like i think in our industry like all most people who do this job are very you know they enjoy it as a hobby as well as a job and like there's a slight danger to that that you can you can never kind of recoup sometimes because it's it's kind of just a constant onslaught and and things and um and like I say for me personally I was like yeah I just I, I have hit a point and and like I was like some people close to me like look you need to take a break like you're like you're just at that point now where you're like it's a little worrying you just need to take a break and like they were right and I'm glad I listened and and I'm, I'm taking that time and the conferences are lovely because they're spaced out enough that it's not a big drain and i and i i i find conferences quite natural so like i don't like i don't worry too much like i don't fill me with dread i mean i get i get the little flutter of butterflies like most people do before they go on stage and stuff but it doesn't like i don't get massive anxiety over it which is is good for me because then I, I can go there. I get. I'm in a fresh, you know, fresh scenery. The people there are always, you know, really great to talk to. There's, you know, the speakers at these events are always amazing. People far cleverer than me that I can I can listen to and and glean information from. People who attend are always enthusiastic and they've got great questions and are great to talk to and stuff like that. So I find it quite, yeah, quite kind of re- like refreshing and like recharging for me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I am, I'm quite an introvert. So like, I, I do find like long periods of time with people to be quite draining, but short periods I'm, I'm all right with. And like yeah. conferences are great. It's like, they're what they like three days, like, and it's just, it's great. And then, I mean, by day three, I'm like starting to get a bit fried and I'm like looking forward to a quiet time on the plane on the way home on my own or whatever. But <laughs> you know, in between it's that. And, and it's just enough of, uh, of a hit of the programming world to like keep me going if you know what I mean, like, and, uh, and stuff like that. And then, but yeah, I mean, things like blogging and stuff like at the moment, I just, the amount of effort that goes into having to write blog posts and, and stuff. And I just, I can't bring myself to do it at the moment. So I'm just like sitting back from it a bit and like, 
I've got like loads of stuff. I've got so many ideas and so many like potential blog posts written down in like my notion board. Like it's like, I'm not gonna have a problem, you know, <laughs> filling the blog up when I'm, when I'm ready to start again. But, but yeah, I mean, after two yeah. years of solid writing, it's just like, I need to do something different for a, for a few months, like at least just, uh, I think that's good. Right. You have, you have different seasons in life. And I think we even talked the last time we were on, we're like, how do you make time for all this? Right. And that was the season of your life where you were juggling a lot of stuff and it was important and, and you were building a book and, and a reputation and an open source library. And now you can reap some of those benefits and, and uh, take some time to recharge. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And then and then hopefully come back even stronger again, you know, and, it, you know, like I say, I'm, I will get back to my blog you know, and, and like there's there are a couple of my open source packages that desperately need some love and I'm well aware of it. And, and as soon as I'm, you know, I'm able to, to kind of face it, I will, I will definitely sort those bits out. But I think, you know, you've got to look after you, you know, you've got to look after yourself as well and, and know when, when, like you said, Caleb, it's, it's seasons and you've got to know when you've, when's the time to put in the work and when's the time to just, like you say, recharge the batteries for a bit and then come back and like, and definitely going through that phase at the moment and, and stuff and, and, and work with deployed is very demanding as well. So, you know, that's, that's the other thing. So, yeah. So it's like, so I'm happy with doing the conferences at the moment. That's perfect interaction with the community and being able to give, you know, still give stuff back and, and produce content and things, but, but not like, you know, not at the same level as having to do a blog post every week and that commitment and, and stuff. So, so yeah. Yeah, I really, I really get to what you're saying there, you know, but we do appreciate the time you put in, you know, writing the book and, yeah. and doing that. And also the time you spent with us today, you know, that's some time out of your, your busy schedule. So we appreciate it. And, oh, it's my uh, pleasure. Like, yeah. it's, but at the moment, to be fair, if I'm not writing something, I'm happy. Like <laughs> I'm, <dead. laughs> I, I'm all out of keystrokes at the moment. So if I'm talking, I'm absolutely fine. I'll do that till the cows come home. But yeah, it's just, uh, I'm avoiding typing at the moment as much as possible. <laughs> Outside right. of code, of course. Okay. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. So I, I think I'm going to move us into, into picks now and we can... Cool wrap up so uh caleb what's your pick yeah so my pick is a uh, switch game as press surprise right that, that that's one of my mainstays so my son has gotten big into minecraft uh lately which is not the switch game i'm gonna pick actually but in minecraft you know you have mods those mods are dependent on the operating system and there are a lot more for pc than there are for uh switch or xbox or whatever and he's gotten to one called pixelmon he watches it on youtube and it's Pokemon in Minecraft. And he's like, I really want to play that. Well, we ain't got it. So he and I actually started playing the latest Pokemon game, Pokemon Legends Arceus. And it is a lot of fun to play with your kid. I mean, Switch games in general. A lot of fun to play with your kid. Chris, you're going to love it when, you're, when your son gets older. 
<laughs> but that's that's my pick today. Well, if you're like me, if you're anything like me, you're gonna love it. Is is the the latest Pokemon game on the Switch? Yep. Okay. So my pick this week is gonna be temporary email services. I've been trying out various different software services and things like that, and I you know tired of giving out my own email address for all these things. So I found out that there there are services out there where you can say I just need need an email service just for. 10 minutes or a couple days or something like that. And so these really work well for these trial offers or things like that that you want to sign up for. The one that I was using was tempmail.org, temp-mail.org. But there's other ones like uh, 10-minute mail or e-forward or something like that. So all these, will, you know, can I give you an address that you can just use it and then throw it away? So that works for me. So my pick is temporary yep. email services. Yep. All right, Chris. Do you have a pick? I do, yeah. I, I was saying before the show about how much I was fretting about this because I couldn't think of anything. And literally, as Caleb was saying, it is something popped into my head. So uh, as I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of CrossFit recently. And one thing that's highlighted to me, as I think it's probably the same for most programmers, is because of the amount of time I spend sitting in a chair, how inflexible I am and, and stuff like that. So there's an app called GoWod, which is a app to help you stretch that I'm using, which is fantastic so you you sign up for the app and everything and then it gives you a load of stretches to do to test your your flexibility you record everything in the app and then it gives you a, a rating for all the various parts of your body about how flexible you are and where you need to work and all this kind of stuff and then every day you can do a you can do a stretching routine you pick a time amount of time like you know depending on what how much time you've got that day so five minutes i think it's like five minutes 11 minutes or 20 minutes or something like that and you can it will then give you a set of exercises uh stretches to do that are tailored to your weak points and then after like six weeks or something it prompts you to test again and then you can you know see how how much of improvement you've had and if you are someone who then also does crossfit you can tell it uh like oh i'm now you know i'm now going to go do a crossfit session and it will give you like the warm-up stretches to do and if you can type in the the things you did in that crossfit session and it will tell you the cool down stretches to do and stuff like that so that will be my pick that's um that's that's been a yeah that's been a real a real good one for me and like yeah sorting out my tight hamstrings and and stuff so that's that's really good very cool i'm gonna have to check that one out because i'm definitely inflexible <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Chris, if our listeners have questions, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can reach out to me on Twitter. I apologize. I'll apologize again right now that I'm, I've like not tweeted for ages because I've just like been so like not involved in social media for a while. But uh, yeah, definitely Twitter. So it's Chris underscore Sainty. But if like there's various ways you can get hold of me. And if you're unsure about anything, then probably the easiest thing to do is go to my my blog, which is chrissainty.com. And then from there, you can get to like my GitHub, you can get to my LinkedIn, you can get to my Twitter. There's a contact form on my blog as well. So like you can get hold of me through one of those ways through, through those things. So yeah, that's probably what I'd suggest. Okay, great. Great. If our listeners have questions or feedback for the show, we'd love to hear from you. They can get me on Twitter. I am at .net superhero. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm at Caleb Wells Coach. All right, thanks, everybody. And thanks, Chris. It was great to have you back on the yeah. show. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> I'd happily make it a hat trick. Um, All right. So, yeah, that's cool. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in.net. Bye, y'all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.